0: and Source of Truth Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us again. If you're watching live, you know this the uh, beginning of another week, Monday, and we're glad you're with us and starting your week off in the Word of God, and we greatly appreciate the privilege to be part of your day. Now, We look at Friday and we say, man, we can't wait for the weekend to come. For some people, Monday is kind of that overwhelming day, all oh, that's going to come this week, tired and just waiting again for Friday. But we're glad on this Monday you've chosen to join us. Um, We are going to take some time to look at several things in the book of Proverbs today. And uh, it says we've been going through Proverbs because we really want to really look what what are some great truths of wisdom we can use in a day when wisdom is so greatly needed. It's always been needed. We know that. But, In a day where it just seems even more chaotic, to go back to the Word of God and and just seek for wisdom seemed to be such a a great thing at this time. So we're going to continue as we kind of go section by section. Uh, We may not cover every verse at every time, but today we're going to actually take a couple sections of verses. And honestly, as I was studying this out before beginning to do this, um, I came to the conclusion I'm not 100% sure whether I'll finish Because I actually have three thoughts that I was going to go to. Usually I don't do that, but they kind of all conclude under one primary premise. And so we'll get into that, and uh, we'll begin to look. And so if I don't finish all three, I'll just pick up uh, whatever I don't get done tomorrow. So we're going to be in in Proverbs chapter 3. And remember last time we just talked about, again, two more popular verses in Scripture, verse 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And we talked about the difficulty of trust and the importance of trust, but more importantly, the importance of trust in God. And when we do that and don't trust our own thinking, then we will allow him to teach us, and, and he will guide and direct our paths, which we need. Right after he does that, there is a list of three things that are stated. And here's how I'm looking at that. When I learn to trust God. When I learn not to trust my own thinking, my own understanding and my trust is in God and my reminder of his sovereignty, reminder of his goodness, reminder of his grace and his love for me. I look at these next three things and and then I can see how trust is necessary for them. Then I can also see how these things are so powerful needed in my life. So we're going to just take these three things again. If we don't finish them, we'll pick them up tomorrow. Uh, But Proverbs 3, verse uh, 7 says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction so he gives us three different aspects and we're going to start with the first one be not wise in thine own eyes fear the Lord and depart from evil he then says it will be house of thy navel and marrow to thy bones let's, let's start with the thought of be not wise in thine own eyes you ever been in a scenario where either it's dark or cloudy or frankly something surprising happens and people begin to tell Uh, their uh, eyewitness account of what took place. Um, I've been in situations where we've seen a car accident take place on the road. And as you begin to listen to the different people in the vehicle that watched it, they have all different perspectives. And sometimes uh, one person's story uh, almost sounds completely opposite of another person's story. And why is that? Well, you look at that and and you, you, you look at this you look at them and say well people saw it from different perspectives their eyes caught something that someone else did in one scenario uh, we were coming home uh, i want to say from vacation and uh, we saw somebody in front of us swaying back and forth on 95 going north and uh, i i backed off i'm like this is not good and they swung to the left and hit a concrete pylon and then swung to the other side and and so now i was looking at it from all of the debris that flew off the cars i didn't want it to hit our car my kids looked at it as, you know, what they saw. And so, when we looked at two stories, it was almost like two different points of view because we had different perspectives, we saw things. That doesn't mean one was wrong. It just means sometimes one person won't see what another person does. I watched a, a TV show years ago where it was talking about, I remember, I think it was, what would you do or something? But it, they, there was a guy, they planned this. They went into this outdoor restaurant area and uh, they had somebody grab this woman's purse. It was all, they were actors steal this person, run away, and then they asked the, uh, the people around if they would give an eyewitness account and individually basically came down. They mostly couldn't even agree on the nationality of the person stealing or uh, what the woman. They, could, they couldn't agree on just the basic looks of these two uh, because everything happens so fast. Now, I use those illustrations for this purpose. We have proven that people say often eyewitness accounts, even when it comes to crimes, are often... Uh, not always accurate because there's a lot of action. Your adrenaline's pumping. You're, you, know, you don't remember because everything happens so fast. What happens in life sometimes is as be not wise in thine own eyes. Sometimes we, just like when we see an event and, one, and everybody sees it either from their perspective or whatever, it's not that what they're seeing is wrong, but sometimes there's so many things they don't see. I mentioned a few episodes ago that I was in a car with a missionary, and a guy got in an accident, smashed on 95, and we get out, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the phone calling 911. I completely missed the fact it was the missionary, the preacher who caught it. He running back to the car, and I had no idea why. He's running down 95 back to the car. I saw the car, and I'm watching maybe other people trying to go around the car. I didn't see the guy leaning over the edge of I-95. We were up on a bridge. I, I didn't see him leaning over it. You know, then when I, he thought the guy was about to jump over the bridge, uh, that was what he was thinking. And so he's like, man, this guy, I got to stop this guy from jumping over the bridge. And when he got down, he realized he wasn't jumping over the bridge. He was throwing something over. I didn't see any of that. And it was only about 15 feet from me. Uh, when you look at that, again, it's not that I saw something different. I missed it. When we put our trust in our own eyes, of what we think's happening or going to happen, all these things, what ends up happening in reality is we find ourselves struggling with, Lord, that's not how I saw it, I don't get it. And it can be very confusing. We miss things. That's why it's so important. He goes, be not wise in your own eyes and your own thinking, your own perspective. He says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Don't look at everything, it's no big deal. I think I can handle this, I'm going the right way. Be trusting God. Trust His direction. Remember, he just got done talking about He will give us direction. So while we're following His direction, He's leading our path. we need to not be evaluating. He may be leading us into a place that seems uh, uncertain, may seem not as easy. God, that path seems easier. Well, He knows further. We may only see the beginning of the path. He knows the full extent. So the key is don't. when you're following Him, don't, don't allow your eyes to see what you think. Continue to trust into Him for what's ahead of you. If we do that, because then we goes fear the Lord, depart from evil, f- keep following his direction. He goes, then when you do these things, it shall be hell to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Simply saying, it will be as important as your, your sustenance, your need for food, your need for, um, for health, Anybody who's getting older who has issues with their joints, where they hurt? You understand, marrow to thy bones, a comfort, a strength. So being listening to him and following him and our trust in him and direction is as important as our daily need for food. So he talks about don't trust what you see, but then he moves on and says in verse um, 9, he jumps into something that we can sit back and say, I don't want to talk about this. It says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So here's what he does. He starts, he gets done talking about if you, if you trust me, then I will lead you and you can trust. But while following me, don't, don't be deceived by what you think your eye sees or your own perspective because I know the best way. And if you follow me, it's, it's as important as your daily food. Then he says, now let's talk about your money. Now, I'm telling you, a lot of preachers will tell you, they get a little nervous talking about money because people get defensive immediately. Can I tell you, money Money is just that. It's just money. It's things we need to be able to live. Sometimes we get consumed with our money. It's mine. I earned it, all these things. Can I be honest with you? If we allow money to consume us, it takes us the wrong direction. The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's important as Christians to understand that What we have came from God. And we say, well, I earned it. Well, you're right. But God gave me the gift and the ability to do that. He's allowed me to have a job. We have to go back to reminding his sovereignty and his leadership, his guiding my path. I acknowledge I trust him. So if I trust him and then I, I trust him with things I can't see, then what should I do? Trust him with my money. Um, we, if there's anything we've learned over the last few months in this pandemic is that money is uncertain. I mean, the stock market, massive crash. And I understand if I read not too long ago, they talk about hitting new records. It's, it's climbed back up in those cases. And yet we look at that and say, well, great, the economy is coming back. But how many people are still out of work? So you, you look at all of this. If you put your trust in money, and can I even say in things and material things, we all realize they disappear so quickly. I, I own a home in Levittown and uh, we've been fixing it up over the years. You know what I can tell you, there, in the midst of a storm, I am glad I live in a home. I'm glad that I can watch the storm, but I'm protected from the elements. Uh, but then there are days when, you know, because you, you it's structurally sound, you wonder, man, you know, then, then a roof leaks or something like that and all of a sudden this thing you put your trust in is like, what's going to happen? What's going on? Um, shortly after we bought the house, there may be a year, I don't remember how long it was, uh, across the street from us, somebody was flipping house. They bought a home similar to ours and had already redone the outside. New roof, new windows, new siding, really did a great job. We went to bed one night. I don't know how I missed all this. Woke up Sunday to go to church and the house had been burnt down. I'd missed the fire trucks coming. I missed all of that. And it was right across the street. One night I really slept well. And I, I came out and I looked at that. And I, you, know, you put your trust, in this is going to be my security. And it was gone. I mean, it just burnt right down. It's a different home. The guy sold the property. It's a brand new home over there now. We can put our trust in things that will fade away in the wrong scenario. Um, So here's what he tells us to do. In the things that I have, honor the Lord of my substance with what I have and the first fruits of thine increase, all my money. So he says, first of all, and what we do as church, we call it tithing. We call taking the first bit of what God has given it and giving back to him. It, number one, it acknowledges that all that I have came from God, and so I give back to him. Now, interestingly enough, this is one of those unique passages, because we look at these passages and we say, God wants all my money. He's just taken from me. And I love this because he doesn't end with that. He doesn't just say, give me all your money. He, he says, the first fruits. But then in verse 11, he goes, so shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses burst out with new wines. Obviously, he's talking to a farming community. So he says, listen, if you give me the first fruits, of what I've given to you, I will give you back even more. I will make it that you will have no need. Now, please understand, this is not what many call prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel takes this truth and they go the very wrong way with it. They say, if you give $100 to the church, God's required to give you a thousand back. There's nowhere in scripture that says that. It's not true. It also says, if you live for God, you're gonna be healthy and wealthy. But I know a lot of people, Christians struggling with cancer. So do you have to come to conclude that if a Christian's struggling with cancer, they're in sin? Prosperity gospel would state, yes, that's not true. It's not biblical. Why else would Job have gone through all the grief he went through and God allowed it? And God called him a righteous man, that one that feared God and stayed away from evil. That's not true. But what we're saying is if we, in obedience to God, not being pressured by a church or a preacher, in obedience to God and love for God, give, he says, listen, I'll make sure you're taken care of. In Philippians, it says, my God chose supply to play all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus so we, we, you know, it's interestingly enough that God talks more about money in the Bible than he does about heaven and hell you know why? because he understands how valuable money is to our possessions are to us they're our identity, they're our strength and he says if you trust me you'll also trust me with your finances let's finish with the third one and then he goes down to a kind of a difficult section where he says in verse 11, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. He says, my son, remember talking to his son, despise or don't look down, don't be frustrated when the Lord chastens you or corrects you so there are going to be times so should we go back to the idea of prosperity gospel how can you believe in prosperity gospel that if if you're right with god everything's great and then the next verse he says don't look down when god chastens you well chastening's bad but this is showing god's love and work in our life as a father, as parents, you, we, those of us who are parents, we understand there are times when we have to correct and redirect our children, you know, teach them what they did was wrong, teach them how to do right. We want them to love God and follow God. We want them to be good citizens, we want them to treat other people equally and love them. We don't, we don't want them in a world growing up of injustice and all the things that the world's screaming about, we want them to show God's love to that. So direction and and, and discipline is part of doing that. God does the same thing. Thing. he he's chasing us and disciplines us and points us so that we can become more like him helps us to see where we're wrong and helps us to see where we should be going so he says despise not don't look down don't push it away don't get frustrated and ignore it you don't get weary of his correction oh man god leave me alone stop don't do this no 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 why he goes because whom the lord loveth he correcteth here's the point if God loves you, he will bring correction into your life. He will point you in the right direction. How else can he guide our path if he doesn't have the freedom to tell us which path is wrong? How, how can he guide us if we go one way and we say, well, I want to do it, and he goes, that's wrong. We go back, be not wise and thine own eyes. All of this comes back under the premise that if I'm going to trust in God, not just trust by myself, but trust in God, the sovereign, holy, gracious, loving friend, God, my Savior, If I trust Him, and I don't trust my own understanding, then He will guide me. And then I don't have to trust my own eyes because they will deceive me. Then I can trust Him even with my finances and my personal economic health. Then I can trust Him even when He corrects me and points me in the right direction. These three things are fulfillments of what it looks like to trust God. And again, I'll go back to where I started last time. Trust is not an easy thing to offer. It really is not. I mean, we look at trust and it, it can overwhelm us because, we, because there are so many things, that, reasons in, a, in our world today not to trust people. And because we don't trust certain people, then we struggle trusting God. Um, and it's, God says, listen, trust me and I will guide you. And what you have to do is not trust your own perspective, thoughts, your ability to make money. All of, I will take care of all of that for you. You trust me and you follow me and I will take care of all of these things. And you follow me in these paths. I will take care of all of these things, even down to correcting you. Can I tell you the difference though? In in a world where we're at, when we make a mistake and someone wants to correct us, it's often done out of anger. It's often done out of frustration. You know when God corrects us, He never does it out of anger. He always does it for one reason, to get us to a better place, to point us and get us into the path that brings blessing and peace and strength into my life. He's never angry at me. He's not seen, you know, The Bible tells us we can grieve the Holy Spirit, which means we kind of take over and the Holy Spirit, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to have leading in our lives. But God doesn't sit back and discuss in heaven saying, oh my goodness, how many times this is ridiculous. You know what he tells us in another section of Proverbs? A just may falleth or faileth seven times but rises back up. God is concerned about our heart. He doesn't get angry and frustrated because he knows us. and Not to mention he already knows what we're going to do. So I think we've got to, be, you know, we got to look at the, the correction is less of him mad at us, it's because it's not, more of his love to point us in a way that brings us to the greatest, great path for peace and blessing and his working and blessing and then our fruitfulness in serving him. I know there's a lot put into these uh, about 17 to 18 minutes and I hope that it wasn't overwhelming but we look at it all under the idea when I trust God it will change so many things in my life if you've not placed your trust in God for salvation that's the beginning point point. and I encourage you to do that uh, don't look at religion and churches to the answer you need Jesus and when you get Jesus church and anything religion begins to change a completely different perspective put your trust in the person of Jesus not the religious front that people put out there. So I encourage you then, as Christians, may we daily, in the days that are easy, in the days that are not, continue to place our trust in God and follow Him. And then sit back. It won't always, we won't always see the results right away, but ultimately we will see how God's guidance was what we needed in the easy times and in, like now, the chaotic times of our world. Thank you again for giving me the beginning of your week and giving God the beginning of your week. I hope it was encouragement. I pray we will continue to learn how to trust in God more and more every day. We hope you have a great rest of your week and a great rest of your day. And thanks again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again next time.